Welcome to Hillside Baptist Church Podcast. We are a church that is committed to preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it is our privilege to open God's word with you. It is our prayer that you receive the message from the man of God with an open heart. That through God's word, you are encouraged and equipped to face life's challenges. But most importantly, it is our prayer that you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior if you haven't already. If you'd like to connect with us, you can do so at hillsidebc.com, find us on Facebook, or send us an email at info at hillsidebc.com. We hope that you benefit from today's message and that you would share it with a friend. But let's now open our hearts and God's Word well, good evening. That's how I greet you in the Philippines. Uh, it is great to be here, and I really appreciate Pastor John giving me the opportunity to speak to you tonight. Uh, we had a great time with him in the Philippines. and got to spend a couple of days with him, and I kind of took him all over the place, and uh, uh, we'll show us a few pictures of that in just a moment. Um, but when my wife, Melanie, and I, we've been missionaries in the Philippines now for 23 years on the field, and it's just been incredible um, I know, uh, I appreciate uh, the Baskins being here tonight, and uh, Brother Baskin, I appreciate you uh, repping the Philippines with me here. We're wearing barongs tonight. Uh, this is our suit in the Philippines. It's, it's very hot there, so we don't wear a lot of suits a lot of times, but we'll wear something like this. Um, but over the last uh, 23 years, um, we've seen almost 60,000 people come to know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior through the different ministries that we have. And when you read the verses in the Bible, look on the fields, they're white already under the harvest. That's the Philippines. Uh, the harvest just keeps coming in and coming in. We have missionaries surrendering all the time. At our missions conference this year, uh, we had five who surrendered to, to foreign missions in our church and excited about that. Let me show you a picture of our family. This is my wife, Melanie, and our four children, Sydney, Bryn, Luke, and Sophia is our youngest. My wife, Melanie, is missionary number 15 in her family. She's the 15th. So Sydney is 16, and Bryn just got approved this week as number 17. I'm number one. I'm the first one in my family. Uh, but my wife has an incredible missions heritage. And honestly, what a blessing. Let me just show you a picture, a couple of pictures of our daughter. Let me be a proud dad for a second. Here is uh, Bryn giving her testimony this week, and we'll go to the next picture as well, as she stood before the fellowship and got approved as a BBFI missionary to the Philippines. Uh, quite a moment. And then my son, Luke, we'll go to the next picture. He also graduated from BBC this week uh, as a, a worship major, and uh, we're proud of him too. And uh, just uh, thankful that our children are serving the Lord and uh, just uh, following him with their whole hearts. Uh, well, let me show you some pictures from the Philippines uh, from Pastor John uh, being with us, okay? So can you see him in the yellow shirt there? Uh, we got to go into several different high schools, and we have feeding programs. So we get to go on campus in public high schools in Metro Manila. Metro Manila, by the way, is about 25 million people. It's just people on top of people on top of people. We are the most densely populated city in the world. You won't find a higher concentration of people anywhere than where we live. And so we have all of these high schools. Some of them have 2,000 students. That's our small schools. Then it goes up to 4,000, 6,000. We even have one school we're trying to get back into after COVID has about 17,000 students in one high school. And God has given us an open door through Manna Worldwide to go into these schools because they have to have a feeding program. It's required by law to keep their accreditation, to have a feeding program on campus, but they get no funding to do that. 
So we go in and so we say, we'll feed 100 kids once a week, help you with that budget, as long as you let us come in and do on-campus Bible studies. So here we'll go to the next picture as well. Pastor John is, is sharing the gospel at Santolin High School was the first high school. This is Santa Lucia High School. We're on campus at 14 public high schools right now. We're trying to get back into 20 right now. And those represent, those 14 right now represent about 60,000 students. That's who we have access to to share the gospel with. And so um, Pastor John shared, and several of these kids prayed to receive Christ as their Savior. I think we got one more picture of him. This is at our main church. And I think you already know this probably about Pastor John, but he just was a servant while he was there. He jumped in. He helped serve the meals. He did everything he could just to help serve, and I really appreciated that. Uh, we love doing that as a church staff and as a ministry, and I uh, appreciated you jumping in there with us to do that. Um, you know, it's just amazing when you think about all the people. Let me show you some more pictures from our ministry tonight. This is another school there, another feeding ministry. We'll go to the next picture as well. This is an outreach called Bagambayan. And so we have about a thousand kids that we reach out to each week on our Saturdays. We don't do Sunday school on Sunday. We do it on Saturday because most of our, our church buildings are fairly small and uh, we don't have a lot of space. And so this is a new one that we reached out into. Uh, I'll tell you another story about this a little bit later with my wife, Melanie. Uh, but we're just reaching out as much as we can. Uh, before COVID, our church was running about 3,100 in attendance. I went down to about 400 during COVID. We had one of the most severe lockdowns in the world. We didn't have church for six months. And uh, we were only allowed to have 10 people at church. And uh, that was our staff. You know, we, couldn't, we just couldn't open the doors, really. And so we built back up. We're back up to about 2,000 in attendance at our main church now. And uh, it's just been amazing to see God uh, uh, work in areas like this. This is a brand new outreach for us. And this is how our God works. Don't ever underestimate what can happen, even if you're locked down, completely shut down. We didn't have a church service for six months, and during that time, we started three churches. <laughs> I don't know how to even explain that. But God opened the door, and God opened up for uh, our church members to just reach out in their neighborhoods. One of our ladies of our church, uh, she got this idea that all these kids were out of school. We had no in-person school for two years. Two years, no in-person school. And she just saw these kids, and she knew that they were struggling, and so she just had this idea. I would have never have thought of this. I would have never thought to do this, but she asked the local government official, can we start gathering the children, and let's have them come out and just sweep the street? I'll promise you that's never been a, a church planning method for me, okay? I've never thought of, let's, let's have kids do that. But she had this idea, and, and they said, okay, you can do it. It was the only way they would let the kids out of the house. If you were under 21, you could not leave your house for about six months. And we have a Filipino McDonald's called Jollibee, and she said, if you let them come out and, and let them do this, I'll buy Jollibee for everybody, and then I want to teach them something. And that birthed the church. It's called Pina Francia. And God is amazing, isn't he? Even during the lockdown, even during COVID, we're able to start those three locations. God is amazing. Let's go to the next picture, if we can. Another thing that was able to, we were able to start this last year was an orphanage. We have two million orphans in the Philippines. And I won't go into the full story of this, but God provided the resources. We now have 19 orphans in this orphanage, and God is really blessing that. Eight of the families who have adopted children have been saved through this orphanage. 
Uh, it's been a, it's something we didn't really expect, uh, but God is really working through that. Then I want to show you another picture as well. Uh, this is a, my favorite baptistry in the world. This is a place called Dadaritan. It's about two hours outside of Manila. So we're this urban jungle, and we have a lot of really nice places that we rent and, 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 and upper-class areas that we reach out into. But this is a tribal group called the Dumagat tribe. Uh, we go about two hours outside of Metro Manila. Uh, you'll see there the guy next to me in the green, Aaron St Stevens. He and his wife, Lainey, are on their way to the Philippines. Uh, we have two young couples coming to work with us right now. Our daughter, Sydney, is in the Philippines with us. Bryn is coming back to the Philippines with us as well. Uh, but this is our baptism that day as we reached out into that area. We're seeing people saved. They're getting baptized. They're joining the church. Uh, and I'll tell you more about that later in the message as well. And then just want to share with you what God is doing in the youth. Um, for, uh, 30% of our uh, population is under the age of 14. And so we started something called Unite, and we're reaching out to, uh, to young adults there in our area, and now we have, we've had a high of like 310 at that service. And, and again, these people are hungry, these young people are hungry uh, to just reconnect and re-engage, and so we're seeing that happen. Isn't God good, Amen. It, it just, as I tell stories of the, about the Philippines, about what he's doing all over Asia, um, it never gets old because every week, every day just about, people are coming to know Christ as their personal Savior. I know I've shared a lot of big numbers with you, 60,000 people, all these schools that have thousands of kids in them, but what it really boils down to for you and me is just each of us reaching one, Amen. If we can just reach that next one and reach that next one and reach that next one, we can turn this world upside down. I want to ask you to go with me to Acts chapter 8. We're going to start reading in verse 26 in just a moment. But I was reading some statistics when I was preparing for this sermon a few months ago. And this is the statistic that I found, and, and you can find it quite a few places all over the internet. Statistics say that 95% of Christians have never led someone else to the Lord. 95%. Now, I don't know about you, but I know a lot of people that have led someone to the Lord. I've led people to the Lord myself. And that number is staggering to me, to think that it's that high. Uh, Barna Group, from the Barna Group, in 1993, 89% of Christians agreed it was their personal responsibility to lead someone else to Christ. You know what that number is today? It's about 64%. That just keeps going down. Born-again Christians, I'm talking about evangelical Christians, born-again Christians that say, you know what, it's not really my responsibility. Over 30% of Christians now say, I don't know that I really have uh, the authority to speak truth into someone else's life. You know, the Great Commission is not the great suggestion, amen? It's available to everyone. The gospel is available to everyone. And if we will just obey the Lord, if we'll just be sensitive to the Holy Spirit, we could maybe have an experience like Philip has in Acts chapter 8. So let's start reading in Acts chapter 8, verse 26. It says, And the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, saying, Arise, and go toward the south unto the way that goeth down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is desert. Now, that's not a lot. A lot of people aren't really signing up to go to the desert, are they, to do missions, you know? This is not glamorous. We've had all these glamorous, amazing things that have already happened in Acts. Thousands of people are getting saved on the day of Pentecost. There's been these big rallies that have happened and, and, and people have been healed and all these things have happened. And now the Holy Spirit tells Philip, I want you to go to the desert. It's not a glamour job that he's getting here. But look at verse 27. I think sometimes in the Bible, those short phrases, sometimes those simple phrases are what we ought to pay attention to the most. 
and he arose and went. Amen? He didn't question. He didn't say, well, what about Peter? He's back in Jerusalem. He's getting to do the fun stuff. He's getting to do the amazing things. No, it just says, and he arose and went. And behold, a man of Ethiopia, an eunuch of great authority under Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who had the charge of all her treasure and had come to Jerusalem for to worship, was returning and sitting in his chariot, read Isaiah the prophet. Then the spirit said unto Philip, go near and join thyself to this chariot. And Philip ran thither, thither to him and heard him read the prophet Isaiah and said, understandest thou what thou readest? It's so simple, isn't it, what Philip says to him. Do you understand what you're reading? And he said, how can I except some man should guide me? And he desired Philip that he would come up and sit with him. The place of the scripture which he read was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter, and like a lamb done before a shearer, so opened he not his mouth. In his humiliation, his judgment was taken away, and who shall declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. He's reading from Isaiah 53. And the eunuch answered Philip and said, I pray thee, of whom speaketh the prophet this, of himself or of some other man? And here's another really important phrase. Then Philip opened his mouth. Sometimes it's just as simple as that, amen? Just opening our mouths, just sharing the truth that we already know, sharing the truth of our lives that have been transformed. And he began at the same scripture and he preached unto them, unto them Jesus and as they went on their way, they came unto a certain water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? And Philip said, If thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he commanded the chariot to stand still, and they went uh, down both into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And then when they were come up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught away Philip. Can you imagine what that would have looked like? Was he teleported? Was he, was he carried by angels? Did he disappear? That's question number 487 when we get to heaven. Huh? You know, we'll, we'll be able to talk about that in eternity, exactly what happened. The Spirit of the Lord caught away Philip, that the eunuch saw him no more, and he went on his way rejoicing. And if we ended there, it would be an amazing story, but we're going to get to the rest of the story later. Look, read verse 40 with me. But Philip was found at Azotus, and passing through, he preached in all the cities, till he came to Caesarea. God wasn't finished with Philip yet. And I want to propose to you tonight, God's not finished with you. He's not finished with any of us. He's not finished with this church. He's not finished with our family in the Philippines. God has a work for us to do, amen? And sometimes we might hear about hundreds of people saved or, or thousands of people saved. Just this year in our high school ministry from January to the beginning of April, when Pastor John was there, we had 609 high school students saved in our public high schools. That's amazing, and we can shout hallelujah and praise the Lord for that, but God isn't finished in those high schools, amen? He's not finished, and he just wants us to keep reaching one more and reaching one more and reaching one more. So I want to talk to you tonight about, about what Christians should be. First of all, number one, Christians should be sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit. We should be sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says in verse 27 that Philip arose and went. He arose and went. He didn't sit there sulking. He didn't sit there second-guessing it. He didn't sit there saying, well, maybe I ought to pray about this for a few weeks. No, the Holy Spirit wanted him to go right then. Have you ever had that prompting of the Holy Spirit? Hey, go across the street. Invite your neighbor to church. Go across uh, the cafeteria at school. Reach out to somebody. The Holy Spirit has a reason for that. But the way was a desert road. It wasn't going to be easy. 
It wasn't going to be easy for Philip to go on that path to reach the Ethiopian eunuch. But here's something amazing about desert roads. Desert roads can often lead to divine encounters. They can in our lives. If you feel like you've been wandering, maybe God is preparing you for service. If you felt lonely or depressed or anxious, don't get stuck in that depression. Maybe God has a plan for you in this time, uh, this desert time that you've been going through. Maybe he wants to use you in some great way tomorrow or this week or this month or this year. Don't get stuck in those anxious or depressed feelings. Philip could have done that. He could have said, well, I'm all alone. There's nobody with me. There's nobody that's going on this road with me. But the Holy Spirit had a plan for Philip. He wanted him to reach this Ethiopian eunuch. You know, have you ever had that experience where you you knew the Holy Spirit was leading you to to reach out to somebody and your heart just started pounding? (laughs) Your heart just started beating fast? I still have that experience sometimes. But go with me to Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12, verses 11 and 12. When you feel that way, remember. Remember these verses. And when they bring you unto the synagogues and unto magistrates and powers, taking no thought of, of, of how or what thing you shall answer or what you shall say, For the Holy Ghost shall teach you in that same hour what you ought to say. This man that the Holy Spirit wanted Philip to go to, he's not just some average person. He's the secretary of treasury for for Candace, queen of the Ethiopians. He obviously is wealthy, and he has this chariot. And Philip could have said, well, I'm not powerful enough. I'm not rich enough. I, I don't know what to say to this man. Jesus knew these days were coming. He knew that Philip would be speaking to this very powerful man from Ethiopia, and the Holy Spirit gave him exactly what to say. In fact, Philip didn't even have to write a sermon or do anything like that. He just had to hear what this man was reading in Isaiah 53. All he had to do was share what he had already learned from the Word of God. It was all laid out for him. He just had to be obedient. He had to be sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit. I want to show you a picture of Sentolin High School again. St. Olin High School is a school we've been ministering in about, for about 22 years now. I, I went there uh, just to hand out some flyers. We had a group of interns in from the States, and they were there for about six weeks. And when you have interns in that long, sometimes it gets a little bit hard to fill up the schedule. You know, you kind of run out of things to do sometimes and some days. So we were having this youth rally, and we had them go to hand out flyers in the school Handed about 2,000 flyers, took about 15 minutes, we're done, and I just wanted to say thank you to the principal. So we went into her office, I shook her hand, met her for the first time, her name was Mrs. Pontipedra, I said thank you, and the first words out of her mouth were, could you teach a choir here? I'm looking around for cameras, I'm going, I'm thinking, why in the world did she say that to me? She doesn't know I have a background in music, she doesn't know I sing. Years later, I asked her, I said, why in the world did you say Uh, teach a choir here. She said, well, you were American, so I thought you sang. So thanks, American Idol, I guess. I don't know, you know. (laughs) Uh, You know, but I said, okay, I will teach that choir if you let me do an on-campus Bible study. So three weeks later, we started the first choir rehearsal and the first uh, Bible study. That first year, we got third place in the city choir contest. The next year, we got first place. People were asking how much the import cost, you know, and I wasn't getting paid anything, of course, you know. But ever since then, we have had student after student after student get saved. One of our church members, her name is Christy Arcega. She is a teacher there. 
I promise you she has brought more people to the Lord in our church than anyone else. When we have a big day, a youth rally, she invites 60 people you know, from her classes in. This is that high school, Sentinel High School. We had a group from High Street Baptist Church that came over just a few weeks ago, and we went, and we were just going to do a feeding. We had no plans to do a, a, a big evangelistic rally or anything like that. And there's a new principal there, and she's a born-again Christian, and she said, would you like to go into three classrooms and share? That's how she said it. So share for us means share the gospel. And so we went into those first three, cl- three classrooms, and, and, and these young people came in, they went into those classrooms, they shared the gospel, and dozens of young people raised their hand for salvation. They said, oh, there's more classrooms, there's three more classrooms over here. Before we got done, there was 12 classrooms that we went into. That wasn't on my schedule, that wasn't planned, we didn't even ask permission. We were just going to go in and do this feeding, and then this teacher, this principal, I mean, she wanted us to go into 12 classrooms and share the gospel. The opportunity was right there. We just had to literally go through the door of those classrooms. Be sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit. But number two, Christians should be eager to share the gospel. We should be eager to share the gospel. Go with me back to verse 30. It says, and Philip ran thither to him. He ran to him. When is the last time you ran to somebody to share the gospel with them? When's the last time you were so eager and so ready and and anticipating what the Lord was going to do in somebody's life that you ran up to them to share the gospel? I'll be honest, I don't know that that's really happened a lot in my life. That's happened on the mission field more than in America for me. But this is what happened with Philip. Philip knew that he had been led on that desert road. He knew he was led on that desert road for a reason. He comes up to this chariot. The guy is reading Isaiah. It can't get any more clear, is it? But he knows that he's got to go up to that guy, and he runs up to his chariot. Are there people in your office that you're running to them to share the gospel? Are there people you go to school with, you're running to them to share the gospel? There are people all around us, and they're just looking for somebody to be a witness Someone to be a witness. And you may not, might not, not ever make it to the Philippines. You may not come, come and visit our mission field. But you have a mission field right where you live. Among your family, among your neighbors, in your office. All of us have that mission field. My dad worked for the city of Austin uh, for about 20, 23 years. And uh, there was a guy that he worked with that he always invited to church. And this guy would curse, and he would always take the Lord's name in vain. He would apologize to my dad. He'd say, oh, Jim, I'm sorry that I took the Lord's name in vain. My dad would just say, hey, don't be sorry to me. Be sorry to God. You know, it's, you're taking his name in vain, you know. And, and he would witness to him and invite him to church, invite him to church, and he would turn my dad down every single time. That guy got a job in another city, and he left Austin. And about two years or so later, on a Sunday night, he shows up at church. And my dad saw him come in the doors, and he goes, hey, don't get me wrong, I'm glad you're here, but what are you doing here, you know? He said, well, he goes, I got to my new office, and there was a guy just like you, and he wouldn't shut up about Jesus. And he kept inviting me to church, and he said, when I went to church and he got, I got saved, he said, every time you witnessed to me came back in my mind, and I just had to come back and tell you that I got saved. See, some of us plant seeds, don't we? Some of us water, some of us bring in the harvest, But God wants us to be eager to share the gospel. I shared with you earlier, I showed you that picture of Bagumbayan, that outreach, that new outreach we've been doing this year. Let me show you another picture. Um, This is my wife, uh, Melanie, and our daughter, Sydney. This is one of our staff members, Sally, on on the right there. And that's Ate Chari in the middle. Her name is Charity. We call her Ate Chari. Uh, She came by that Sunday school outreach that we're doing for kids. And she was just interested. She was just curious, and she walked by, and she just stopped, 
and my wife and Sally went over to her and just started talking to her about the Lord and she bowed her head right there and she got saved and now she's attending our church. You know, they could have said, oh, you know what, this is a kid's outreach. We don't really need to worry about the adults. We don't really need to worry about them. No, that lady stopped for a reason. That was a divine appointment and God wanted her to get saved and she received Christ as her personal savior. Christians should be eager to share the gospel. You never know when somebody's gonna say yes. You never know when that next person, that next time that you share is gonna get saved. We need to be eager to share the gospel. Number three, we need to be able to explain scripture as well. You know, Philip knew God's word and he, go, he goes up to this chariot and, and, and the Ethiopian eunuch asks him, what, how can I understand these things? How can I understand what I'm reading unless someone explains it to me? Philip knew what he was talking about. He knew what to do. He knew in that moment that he could use those verses from Isaiah 53 that were prophetic verses about Jesus, and it was just laid out there for Philip just to share the gospel with this man. It was so easy, honestly. It wasn't even that difficult. He just had to explain what those verses meant. Let me show you another picture of one of our ministries, that ministry where we have the baptistry in the river. Uh, this is Dariitan. So the young man preaching is Pastor Jervin. Amazing story of how God has worked in his life. And I'm going to try to tell it as fast as I can. Uh, Jervin is one of the best guitar players you've ever heard. And he was in a music shop uh, playing guitar. Our keyboard player for our church was in there. And he said, hey, we're having a Christmas party at my friend Paul's house. Why don't you come and play with us tonight? And, uh, and they taught him some praise songs that night. And he came that night, December 24, Christmas Eve. He got saved at Paul's house. Paul's house is this dirt floor house. His mom, uh, his, his father was murdered. His mom abandoned him and his four younger siblings when he was 16 years old. And he was raising his younger siblings on his own. Just this very simple house. But he had friends from church over and they got to lead Jervin to the Lord that night. At youth camp the next year, Jervin surrendered to ministry and he went through our Bible college. On the day of his graduation, I was so proud of him. I went up to Jervin, I, I gave a big hug and I said, man, I'm so proud of you. And he said, well, pastor, in my place, Dara'itan, there's no church there. There's no gospel preaching church. He had moved to Manila from there. And he said, can we send a preacher out to start a church there? I said, yeah, I nominate you. He said, oh no, no, I'm not talking about me. I said, well, I am, I nominate you. That church is six years old now and he did an incredible job. This service that we're in right now, he just did a, an incredible job of explaining the scriptures and preaching and, and teaching. And now he and his wife, they've surrendered to be missionaries in Thailand. We're gonna take a survey trip there later this year. They are gonna be missionaries sent out of our church. We also have other missionaries we've sent out of our church. We have a family on deputation right now going to Romania. They'll be our first Filipino missionaries in Eastern Europe. And we have a missionary in Cambodia that has now started six churches in Cambodia. God is, God is doing some amazing things, but we need to be able to just give people that missing piece of the puzzle. They're, they're just looking for answers. They're searching for answers. This Ethiopian eunuch, he's reading God's word. He's reading about Jesus in the Old Testament. He doesn't quite understand it. He doesn't exactly know what the scriptures mean. He just needed somebody to give him that missing piece of the puzzle. Uh, one of my high school dreams was to go to Mongolia. I don't know why Mongolia, I can't quite explain that to you, but I always wanted to go, and I got to go several years ago out into the Gobi Desert. Uh, with Manor Worldwide, we have a hospital out in this really remote place. It was about six hours of just driving on dirt roads. Uh, you get out of the, the car and you just pat yourself down, you know, just dust everywhere. We're in the middle of nowhere, and I was chosen to speak there, and I was kind of thinking, 
Who am I going to speak to? It's going to be us, our group, and a bunch of camels. All you saw was camels out there. And I didn't know it was going to come. Sixty people ended up coming to that church service that day. There was three people who got saved. One was an elderly gentleman in his 70s. And he started sharing this story how somebody had been backpacking through the Gobi Desert and they had handed him this book. And he said, I started reading this book and it was about a man who did all these nice things for people. And he fed people and he healed people. But then they put him on trial and they accused him, but he hadn't done anything wrong. And then they killed him and I don't understand why they killed him. And somebody had given him a New Testament. And he had read the story of Jesus, but nobody had ever told him he needed to receive Christ as his personal savior. That is one of the highlights of my, my Christian journey, of being in that very remote desert place, that place where you didn't even think any people were, and God brought together 60 people that day, and that man got saved. You know, it was a blessing. There are people around us like that all the time. And this is another thing Christians should be. Number four, Christians should be ready to lead others to Christ. They should be ready to lead others to Christ. You know, Philip understands this, and when you get to verse 36, it says, as they went on their way, they came into a certain water, and the eunuch said, see, here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? And Philip said, if thou believest with all thy heart, he asked the question, right? He didn't stop and said, well, you could get baptized some other time. Uh, you could think about this for a little while. You don't have to do this today. No, it's so obvious, right? It's so obvious. Go to this desert place. Go up to this chariot. Listen to what this guy is reading. Explain the scriptures to him. Share the gospel with him. And he says, if you believe with all your heart. He just asked him that question. Do you want to receive Christ? When is the last time you asked someone that? When is the last time you just directly asked them, do you need to receive Christ? Do you want to receive Christ? Have you received Christ? Do you know what's going to happen to you when you die? This is exactly what Philip was doing. Go with me to 1 Peter 3. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15. It reminds us what we should do. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. It's not about us, right? It's not about how, how good we are at sharing the gospel. It's not about how eloquent we are. It's all about us being obedient to the Holy Spirit and maybe just waiting that one more moment or, 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 or sharing the gospel one more time or giving that one more invitation to someone. You know, when, uh, at Easter time, we have uh, something in the Philippines that we call the Alilakad. It, it means a worship walk or an offering walk. So what people do all from all over Manila, there's about two million people that do this walk every year. They walk from various parts of Metro Manila, it could be about five or 10 or even 20 miles, and they walk to a Catholic church uh, that's up near one of our church locations, and they do that as penance, so some that, somehow that will help them reach a higher place in purgatory so their, their family won't have as long to pray them out of purgatory. They have no hope that it's going to get them to heaven. They just think it's something religious that they can do to help them a little bit in a works-based religion. So uh, we went this year, and Sydney and I went up to this this year, and let me show you a picture here. Um, when it's at night, it, it lasts all night, you've got thousands of people walking on the highways and the roads, and this night, as we had people from our church that were handing out flyers, uh, people got saved, I think there was more than 70 people who received Christ as their Savior that night that we got to lead to the Lord. I just took it on my, as my role that night just to hand out the flyers to our church members. I'm going to let everybody kind of have the, the role to share the gospel, and I'm just going to go and say, hey, do you need more flyers? Do you need something else? We're handing out waters. And I just wanted to pull back a little bit and let my daughter do some of that and let some other people, some of our young people do that. 
and it was getting late and the roads were getting more crowded and honestly that can mean that you may not be able to drive home and so I wanted to get to our house that night and I told Sydney, hey, let's go, uh, let's go ahead and go and, and get on the road. And right before we left, uh, these two young men, I had seen them getting dealt with and somebody had led them to Christ, uh, but the guy on the right of me, uh, his name is Lance. There's not too many Filipino Lances, okay? Uh, our name is Lance there actually. Um, and so it's not a really common name there, but they said, oh, pastor, we want you to meet Lance. And so I started talking to Lance, and I, I thought, this is too much of a coincidence, you know? So I said, hey, you know, you're doing this walk, you're doing the Elilah Kad. do you know what it means? He goes, no, I'm just hanging out with my friends. I don't really know what it means. I said, well, a lot of people are trying to do something religious, but I said, you know, you can't do enough religious things to earn salvation. And I began to share the gospel with him. And I looked at him, and I... I thought, he's you know, in his mid-teens. I said, how old are you? He said, I'm 15 years old. I said, you know how old I was when I received Christ as my Savior? 15. I said, Lance, what are the odds? What are the chances that of all these people walking that you walk by while I'm still here, we're both named Lance. <laughs> I got saved when I was 15. You're 15 years old. And I just said, hey, do you want to receive Christ as your personal Savior? And he bowed his head right there, and he received Christ as his personal Savior. That's the first Lance I've ever led to the Lord in the Philippines. Of all this time I've lived in the Philippines, that was a first, you know. And I was so glad that I just stayed a little bit longer. I was so glad that I didn't get in my car yet. We stayed there a little bit longer and somebody said, oh, meet this guy named Lance. And God had a plan. Uh, with all those thousands of people that are walking by, God had a plan for us to meet. Do you think God is good? Amen. He's good. He, he gives us so much that we don't deserve and especially salvation. But to know that he had that divine appointment waiting on that night, this is about nine o'clock at night, uh, it, it was getting late, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't in the middle of the day, and, and, and it was a tiring day that day, but what an amazing end to the day to see Lance get saved. You know, are we ready to share? Are, are we ready to ask that question? Are, are we ready to, to be a witness? Because the truth is, all of us are a witness, aren't we? We all are a witness. People know that you go to church. Your neighbors know that you go to church. They know you go somewhere Sunday morning and Sunday night and probably Wednesday night too. Um, my first, very first trip to the Philippines, um, it was a, an adventure, you know, and I, my first time in Asia. And I'm standing at one of these schools and we had a rally for about 4,000 students. I'd never been in a high school meeting that big before. And I'm, I'm getting ready and I'm praying for the event. We're going to share the, the gospel through something called Breaking Point that we still do to this day. And I'm standing there and I'm just off to the side, you know, like on this side of the stage, and I'm just praying and these three teachers walk up to me. And they introduce themselves, said hello, and, and I, they said, uh, can this teacher touch your face? Now, Filipino English is a little bit different than American English, so touch your face, I don't know, does that mean hit me? You know, I, I, I don't know, and I didn't want to be culturally insensitive, so I said, sure, you know, kind of, okay. And so she reached up, and she started rubbing my nose. And she rubbed my nose for about 10 seconds. They all said thank you and turned around and walked off. I'm thinking, what just happened to me? You know, what in the world was that? And uh, the, the missionaries we were working with that time, Bruce O'Neill and Eddie Lyons, they were on the other side of the stage laughing their heads off at me. And I went over to them, I said, guys, what just happened? What was that? Was that a ritual, whatever? They said, well, did you, did you notice that the lady was pregnant? I said, yeah. And they said, well, they have a belief in Filipino culture that if you focus really hard on someone's facial feature or you touch that facial feature, 
their baby will look like you. I'll be honest, I was kind of freaked out, you know, a little bit. I was like, okay, why my nose? I don't like my nose. I have no idea why she focused on my nose, you know. But she saw something in me that she wanted for her child. I wonder how many times people look at us as Christians and they say, I want what that person has. I want that joy. I want that peace. I want that stability that they have in their life. That's how it should be. We are a witness. Acts 1.8 says, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, all Judea, and Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. You are a witness, amen? I am a witness. And it's all about us just reaching that one, that one, that one more soul, just one more. You know, I'm not going to take the time to read this, but if you look all the way back in Zephaniah 3, verses 9 and 10, the Bible says that there would be people from that area, that region of Ethiopia, that would be reached with the good news of the kingdom, the good news of the gospel. And if you look on a map, and, and you look at how far that is, if you look all the way down to Ethiopia and go all the way up to Jerusalem, this Ethiopian eunuch had traveled far. He had traveled far. And he's on his way back home on that desert road, there are no accidents with God, amen? There are no accidents. There's no accidental meeting. He's got all these divine appointments waiting for us if we will just be willing. Greg Laurie says this, God uses people to reach people, amen? The gospel isn't written out in the clouds. It's not, it's not shared in creation specifically he wants us to open our mouths. He wants us to rise up and go. He wants us to speak the truth when we have that opportunity. This is what he wants for us. So when you look at the story, and when you get to this point in the story, this would be a great ending because the Ethiopian eunuch gets saved and then Philip is teleported out of there and it's an amazing story. It really is. And if we just stopped there, it would be amazing. But go back to verse 40 with me as we look at the last point, point number five. Christians should be ready for the next assignment. But Philip was found at Azotus, and passing through, he preached in all the cities. I love that phrase. I love that. I love places in the Philippines like Pina Francia and Bagambayan and Daraitan, which don't mean anything, anything to you, but they mean something to us because they're these tiny little areas that sometimes get overlooked. And sometimes people just pass by them and they drive by them, but there are souls, there are people in those places that need to be reached with the gospel. And that's what Philip did. He preached in all the cities till he came to Caesarea. We need to be ready for the next assignment. Turn with me to Acts 21, verse 8. Let's kind of see some of the end of the story, because we won't see the end of the story till we get to heaven, really. It says, in the next day... We were there of Paul's company, uh, we that were of Paul's company departed and came unto Caesarea. And we entered into the house of Philip the evangelist, who was one of the seven, and abode with him. It's about 20 years later. About 20 years later that Philip is settled there in Caesarea and he's still preaching and his daughters are serving and his family is still serving the Lord. It's 20 years later that Philip, he, he, I don't think he ever got over some of those experiences that he had early on in Acts. How can you get over that when you're, when you're talking to the Ethiopian eunuch, you baptize him, he gets saved, you baptize him, and then you're teleported out of there to Azotus. I don't think you ever get over something like that, do you? And, and the truth is, none of us should ever get over our salvation, Amen. The fact that we were sinners and now we're saints, 
The, the, the fact that we were enemies of God and now we're children of God. The, the fact that we had nothing to do with God and now we're ambassadors for Jesus Christ. That should do something to us, amen? That should have an impact in our life, in our hearts, in our souls. And praise God, just like with Philip, he wasn't done with Philip. We don't have a lot of the details, details of what Philip did, but he was used there in Caesarea. He went to Azotus and went to all the cities along the way, and then he goes into Caesarea, and he establishes a ministry there, and he preaches, and he teaches, and 20 years later, he's still doing the same thing. Amen. That's a blessing, amen? That's the way it should be for Christians. And praise God, he wasn't done with Philip, and praise God, he isn't finished with you yet either. He, there's a work for you to do. There's something that he wants you to accomplish, whether it's across the street or to take the gospel to a neighboring state or to plant a church here somewhere in Missouri or, or to go beyond borders and go around the world. This is what God wants us to do. We can't stop and be satisfied with a victory. We can't say, well, I got to lead one person to the Lord and that's enough. I got to see that one family come to know Christ and that's enough. I'm thankful for my father. My father is 84 years old. He just turned 84 this last week. My dad loves to witness. He loves to witness as much today as he did 30 or 40 years ago. He continues. He's gone on mission trips to Mexico. He's come over to the Philippines. And we've had a visitation and outreaches. And every day my dad is in the Philippines. He'll say, dad, Lance, are we going on visitation today? I'm like, well, Dad, no, this is our day off. You know, we're not going to go today. He just wants to go and go and go. That's what we need to do. We need to realize that God isn't finished with us yet. You know, are we ready and willing to be like Philip? To open our mouths? To stand up? To go across the street? To go across our office? To just reach out to somebody with the love of Christ? Just to share with them the hope that we have in Christ? Because we do have hope, amen? We have hope in this life. We have hope beyond the grave. Jesus is the hope of the world. He is the answer to every question. He is the way, the truth, and the life. No man can go to the Father except through him. That is the Savior that we serve. So let me ask you this. If you knew that by praying a little bit more, or praying a little more often, or praying for the Philippines, or praying for our ministry in the Philippines, or just look at these flags around you, there's so many prayers that you could offer tonight for Brazil or Guatemala or the Philippines or Nigeria, uh, Australia, Vietnam, place after place after place that you may never visit. But when you pray for missionaries there, do you believe God hears and answers our prayers? Do you believe it? I believe it because Santolin High School shouldn't have happened. Why did I go into that high school and that lady asked me, the principal asked me if I would teach a choir there? You can't explain that except through God. I believe with all my heart people were praying for open doors. And if you knew that your prayers would open a door in one of these countries, would you be willing to pray even tonight? Would you be willing to pray more often for missionaries that doors would be open to them? If you knew that by giving to missions or maybe giving more to missions that Bibles could be bought or churches could be built or we could do more outreaches in high schools or whatever, fill in the blank. There's so many things to be done around the world. But if you knew that by giving something more could be done for missions, would you be willing to do that? But here's the most important thing. Matthew 9, 38 reminds us, pray you therefore the Lord of the harvest that he would send forth laborers into his harvest. If you knew that by surrendering your life that you could go into a school like Santolin High School, maybe in a country or place you don't even know the name yet, but if you knew that by surrendering your life that your life could make a difference in some part of the world, that people could be reached with the gospel, that churches could be established. If you knew that your life could make a difference, would you be willing to say, here am I, Lord, send me. Here am I, Lord, 
use me. See, there's people just like the Ethiopian eunuch all over the world. People like Atechari. People like Lance. They're just waiting for somebody to put that last piece of the puzzle in for them. They're waiting for somebody to care about their soul. They're waiting for somebody that's willing to sacrifice, that's willing to get down on their knees, somebody that's willing to say, I'll go, I'll go. And and, And honestly, when you surrender, you don't have to have all the answers. You don't have to have the place yet. You don't have to know all of that. What is God looking for? He's just looking for somebody like Philip who is obedient. Philip, I want you to go to the desert place. I want you to go on the way to Gaza, and I want you to go. And he arose and went. And when he met up with the Ethiopian, he opened his mouth. Philip was obedient at every turn. And that man's eternal destiny was changed forever. Is there somebody in your life? Is there somebody that maybe during this message, maybe as I'm speaking right now, God is bringing somebody to your mind, somebody that you've thought about witnessing to, somebody you've thought about reaching out to, but maybe they rejected you and maybe you're a little sad about that, you're a little nervous about that and you're not sure what they will think. But maybe by praying for them tonight, God will open a door this week. He'll open a door tomorrow that you could share the gospel with them. Would you be willing to pray for that person? Would you be willing to just lift them up to the Lord and say, Lord, save that person? I believe God wants to do so much. I want to take you to one last verse. Ephesians 3.20, as we close. This verse keeps on taking new meaning, uh, taking on new meaning for me. And I, I, I want this verse to play out in our lives and our ministry until Jesus comes or I take my last breath. Ephesians 3.20 says, Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. I don't know about you, but I can, I can ask the Lord for quite a few things. I have some things in my mind, on my heart, about the Philippines. It's pretty big, but my God is able to do exceeding abundantly above whatever I could ask or think. According to the power that worketh in us. It's not about us, amen. It's not about you and me. It's all about the Lord Jesus Christ. It's all about the working of the Holy Spirit. It's all about the Father's plan. It's all about what He wants to do in and through each one of us. Thank you so much for joining us today. It is such a privilege to share God's Word with you. If God has spoken to your heart because of the message, stop right now and respond to whatever it is God is asking of you. Don't wait another minute. You can pray right where you're at and ask God for his help. If this message has helped you in any way, we would love to hear from you. Let us know if you have any questions or we can help you with your decision. Jesus asked his disciples, Who do ye say that I am? And he offers the same question to you today. What would your answer be?